We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Matt, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. Just uh, scarfing down some lunch and ready to talk some... I, I just scarfed down some lunch in my uh, my 10 minutes of... <laughs> I wouldn't even call it spare time, but yeah, I, I, I actually got to eat something just now, so... I am good to go for the rest of the day and, you know, up until the trade deadline tomorrow, which, you know, I'm hoping that the Mavs end up doing something. But, man, I they're just in a tough situation. I mean, I can – it doesn't matter how much I explain, like, oh, this can happen, oh, this this is how this could happen. Uh, if If other teams don't like the Mavs' pieces or if the Mavs don't feel like you know, they want to give up a certain amount for a certain player. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I think, you know, if, uh, if those, if, if two sides can't get together and do something, then, you know, uh, there's nothing you can really do about that. But Hey, I mean, we've, we've laid the groundwork on a, a number of different <clears throat> scenarios that the Mavs could potentially get in on, uh, dallasbasketball.com and, uh, hopefully they end up doing something, even if it's just a marginal move, you know, something to uh, fortify their their big situation or their, their three-point shooting with Tim Hardaway Jr. out. Hopefully they end up doing something here in the next, what is it now, uh, 26 hours, I believe, or a little under 26 hours until the trade deadline. Yeah, something like that. So, <clears throat> I mean, where, where are you at on the Mavs as far as – do you think there's going to be a trade, even if it's a, a small one, or do you think they're, you know, there's not much they can do, and they're basically just going to put their hopes into the uh, the buyout market here? I could see them doing something small. I mean, um, they always do something small. What I don't think we're going to see is one of these very detailed and well thought out, awesome scenarios that they should be considering that you'd have put up on DallasBasketball.com, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is they haven't really made a meaningful trade outside of the uh, KP trade a couple years ago in the last, you know, in the last few years. And 
even when they did that, it was it was really for a guy that, you know, it, it may have been publicized that a lot of people wanted him, but I don't think a lot of people really wanted him. I think that it was more that um, injuries kind of scared people away and and all the other stuff he had going on. So I, I could see something small, maybe like a Drogic thing. Um, fingers crossed. Oh, my God, please. But other than that, I don't. I don't think we have to worry too much about Dragic. I know some people have said, well, even if even if the uh, the Raptors end up trading him, that would open up a scenario where he could go back to Miami. Uh, you know, if they if they just buy him out right now, he can't do that because you have. To, I think you have to wait a full year before you can do that if he's not traded again. But if he's traded again, he could potentially go back to Miami, who I believe is number one in the East right now. <laughs> so, and he, he lives there right now. He's really familiar with them. He loved his time there. So I could see where people would be worried about that, but the Mavs have been connected to him for so long. And I really do believe that he has a desire to play with Luca, you know, before he eventually hangs things up. I think he would love to play with Luca in the NBA. Um, and the Mavs are pretty good themselves, and you know they're not top in their conference. But uh, I think when you have a healthy Luca and you add a few more, you know, pieces to fortify the depth around this Mavs team, you have a chance to beat anybody on any given night. Uh, so it's not the same situation with Miami in the East. But uh, given that Dragic has been there, done that with Miami, uh, I just feel like I feel like the Mavs would still be front runners to you know to get Dragic. Uh, after a buyout, whether it's before, uh, whether it, whether he's traded or not, is what I'm trying to say. So, <clears throat> but I'm looking right now, like if the Mavs are going to do something, I, I'm still looking at Sacramento and I'm still looking at Indiana. Now, Miles Turner, he's more than likely off the table now because Sabonis got traded uh, to the Kings. And that was the big thing. You know, they didn't want to play Sabonis and Turner together. And, you know, Rick Carlisle absolutely loves Miles Turner. I really don't think that there's going to be anything happening there. And to be honest, at, at Turner's price point and given his foot problems, I mean, I'm not really sure if we would want the Mavs to give up too much in that type of situation anyway. But for big men, I'm still interested in – uh, Rashawn Holmes for the Kings because now they have Sabonis. Uh, they just signed Holmes to a, I believe it was a four-year deal in the offseason. Uh, they may look to do something with him before it's said and done, and he would fit in perfectly with with the Mavs and being a, a pick-and-roll big with Luka. He's got that nice little push shot. Uh, that's one guy I'm keeping my eye on the Mavs. You know, if something came up to where they were willing to give up, a like a future first round pick for him, he fits perfectly into their trade exception. I'm not exactly sure what Sacramento is looking to get back, uh, for Holmes, but you know, the Mavs trade exception is 10.9 million and, uh, Holmes fits into that perfectly. I think, I think he makes like 10.5 million this year. So that's something I would look at. <clears throat> We've had rumors today about the Mavs still circling Buddy Heald, who was traded uh, in that Sabonis deal uh, to Indiana yesterday. And 
then there was a report by Zach Lowe before we got on here uh, that my guy Grant shared with us saying that uh, as of right now, and he made the note that anything can change in these next 26 hours or however long it is, uh, as of right now, Indiana isn't planning on redirecting Buddy Heald in a trade. But in my opinion, and Grant, I'll get your thoughts on this, that kind of feels like posturing. It kind of feels like a, a leverage play somewhat like oh well <laughs> the two teams that are reportedly interested in uh in uh buddy healed which is the dallas mavericks and the los angeles lakers uh they're not really offering that much for him so indiana you know from their standpoint it's like well if we're not going to get what we want we're just going to keep this guy who's a 40 percent career three-point shooter and the the top three-point guy in sacramento king's history so uh grant what do you think about that report i mean what do you think about uh what is a fair deal that the Mavs could offer the Pacers that they would even be interested in, if any. I think, uh, honestly, when you look at the landscape of uh, what, like, kind of Indiana's been doing, I think it's challenging uh, to put together something enticing that, um, you know, like, you just look at role players like Dwight Powell, that doesn't really match because they like Isaiah Jackson a lot as a backup big in the area of Miles Turner. And that's like one of the main contracts that could be offered. I do think, um, you know, like Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, being sidelined for the rest of the year um, and having that large of a contract, I'm not really sure if they'd be interested in taking that on. That would probably fall under the category of give like a draft asset or something along those lines uh, to entice us into taking that on is probably what they – would be thinking and it would probably have to depend on uh, like the outlook of uh, like their plans with some of these guards that they have. Cause Halliburton and uh, Duarte is the backcourt of their future. So I, I'm not really sure how, uh, you know, I guess if they're, they're planning to keep healed, if that report is true and that's truly what they want to do, um, then maybe they'd be okay with that amount of salary for another guard. I'm not really sure, but it seems kind of a weird uh, like thing to be uh, keeping on your books uh, when you have like your backcourt of the future already. Well, and let, let me ask you this too, because I think something else that needs to be taken into consideration is what Heald wants as a player, you know, cause they, the backcourt of the future with Indiana is uh, Halliburton and Duarte, <laughs> you know, that that's the backcourt of the future for the Pacers. And, you know, there was some some reports and everything about Hield when he was with the Kings. He wasn't necessarily content with with the role he had uh, in Sacramento, and I'm I'm wondering if he would be willing to be a backup for uh, two really young guys like that in Indiana, or if he would rather you know go go to Dallas, where you know he's a he's a Dallas Fort Worth guy, uh, stays there in the off seasons, works out all that stuff. <clears throat> Or if he would rather go there and potentially have a bigger role, uh, especially with you know what's happened with Tim Hardaway Jr. And then on the Pacers side of things, I mean we know we know the respect that Rick Carlisle has for Tim Hardaway Jr. He worked with him a ton on his shooting uh, while he was in Dallas, and he was an excellent fit with Rick Carlisle's system. Uh, you, you know, I, I think that's been most of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s struggles this year is systematic fit more than anything else because he shot near forty percent from three. Uh, the previous two seasons, and then this year, uh, before he got injured, he was just shooting about thirty, a little over thirty-three percent from three. So, I feel like a reunion there wouldn't be the worst thing. 
but like you said, you know, there's more year. I think there's at least one more year, possibly two, on Hardaway Jr.'s contract versus Buddy Heald. Uh, and I see somebody in the chat said, Buddy ain't making threes now. Well, he's still making 38% this year. <laughs> or 36, no, it, it's it's like 36 or 37%. And which things is, get a little different when Luka Doncic is throwing you those passes too. Exactly. We we have seen that with Reggie Bullock here in the, the last couple of weeks. So, you know, it's still a lot better than what Tim Hardaway Jr. has been able to do in this system. And I just wonder, like – you you're very in tune with what the Pacers, you know, think. You know, you have a lot of connections there, uh, given your background and everything. Do you think Tim Hardaway Jr. and his relationship with Rick Carlisle and how well he played under Rick Carlisle, plus say, let's say the 2027 uh, first round pick, a protected first round pick, do you think that's something the Pacers would entertain for Buddy Hield? I think, honestly, if they're in the mode of um, taking on one of those bad contracts to get a, like a draft asset, I think they would. Um, I do wonder also, something I was thinking about is uh, with Rick Carlisle, um, you know, sometimes using uh, small lineups with like, you know, three guards or things of that nature. I do wonder um, if maybe uh, Duarte could slide over to the three. Um, I don't know uh, what their plans are for that, but. Um, that was something I just thought of uh, after we were discussing, uh, like kind of like the log jam at guard. Um, but then again, um, you know they they have a draft pick coming in uh, that's going to be pretty, um, you know, high uh, depending on like you know how the lottery odds shake out, and you know who knows what they'll end up uh, getting with that. So maybe if something weren't to work out in the uh, like trade deadline period, maybe you know, uh, off-season uh, opportunities uh, could change based off the circumstances. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, that, you mentioned possibly sliding Dorte over to the three. That would be a very Rick Carlisle thing to do. <laughs> I feel like he would he would really enjoy uh, having a lineup like that. But um, Matt, I, I guess you know Grant just said that he thinks that it's a possibility that you know the Pacers would entertain like a Hardaway Junior plus a future first. I guess I'm gonna swing it over to you, and I, I'll give my quick answer on it. I would do it if it's a protected. Uh, future first because once that 2023 uh, pick conveys to the Knicks uh, the Mavs would still have the capability of you know it would open up a little bit more flexibility trading picks and I really think this team right now if they can just add a couple more pieces you know add add, add an elite shooter like Hield who's had a rough season this year but things could open up with Luka uh, like I said he's a career 40 point uh, 40 percent three-point shooter you know, and maybe another uh, better quality big, I really think it could could help this team get out of the first round. And once they get the confidence of getting out of the first round, I think the, the sky's the limit there. Now, uh, I don't know if they're, they're still probably not good enough to get past Phoenix if they were fortunate enough to make it to the, uh, the Western Conference Finals, uh, depending on how the, the seeding goes. But – uh, I really – I would consider that. Would you give up a future first-round pick if it meant getting off of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract and getting – I'll be honest with you, man. <clears throat> I am so tired of this roster, the way that it looks right now and the way that it's looked the last, like, three years, four years, that I would absolutely 100% do that just to get some new blood in the building. It's – I think Heald is a better fit than than, than Hardaway right now. Um, I think that he gives you something that you desperately need. Um, and yeah, he does help you get out of the first round. I mean, you likely are not going to have to play the Clippers again, hopefully for the third year in a row. Thank uh, you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to have a different matchup. We just, you know, cross our hearts. It's, it's not Phoenix, but look, or Golden State, but look, that's not the point. The way that you win in this league is with shooting and defense, and the Mavericks have one of those things in spades right now. And the other thing is something that they can acquire very easily by trading a player who's not on the floor and attaching a pick that's probably not going to be great anyway, and that's for a team that doesn't draft well. The Mavericks do not draft well. So the idea that you have to protect these picks so much until the Mavericks show that they can actually have a a decent run on a couple of year for a couple of years in the draft, then I would. I mean, if I'm a Mavs fan, I don't mind trading away these first round picks at all. Just just get rid of them and and use them as as leverage to get a guy like Buddy Heald who can shoot the lights out come, to come in and help your team. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to me. And another thing about the say that that 2027 first round pick I mentioned. I feel like, and I mean, it is a, a long ways away. It's five years away. But 
the the value for teams would be looking at that and thinking, oh, well, if the Mavs can't get it together, and you know that's that'll be past this current contract for Luca, or it'll be right when it's expiring. Like if <laughs> if Luca ends up leaving in free agency the year before, then that 2027 first round pick for the Mavs all of a sudden becomes super valuable. Uh, now, I mean, there's no reason for us to believe right now that Luca would ever leave Dallas, but I'm just saying that's something that potential teams, you know, looking to do a deal like that, that's something they should be keeping in mind because, uh, it is a long ways away, but it could potentially be, you know, well worth it, uh, depending on how that situation goes. And hopefully it doesn't come to that, but, uh, you know, it's just another thing. It's another sales pitch that the Mavs could put on it, you know, if they wanted to do it. But from all the reports today, it just kind of feels like, and just just given, just based on what the Mavs typically start off offering teams, I feel like they probably, and this is pure speculation. I don't want anybody to like say I'm reporting something. I'm not, but I, you know, if they offered Tim Hardaway Jr. and a second round pick or a couple of second round picks, that wouldn't shock me at all. And then the report comes out, oh well, Indiana is not planning on. <laughs> <laughs> on trading Buddy Heald, uh, you know, after something like that happened. I could see that being the timeline for stuff like that going on. And then, uh, you know, maybe eventually the Mavs attach a first-round pick to, to get it going. But I don't know. I, I'm not exactly – I don't have a good feel for Nico Harrison right now and how he feels about draft picks because I can want I, to believe – Can I insert a hot take real quick? I don't think it matters that you don't have the feel for Nico Harrison's drafting because well, Mark Cuban's the one who's going to make the draft picks. This is what drives me nuts is like everybody is, is in the chat here saying that we need to value these picks, but they do not have a good history of drafting. And Mark Cuban is the final decision maker on all of this stuff. Here's the thing though. It, I don't think Mark Cuban has had, and now he has his, he meddles in free agency stuff and, you know, potential trades because he's always said, you know, the bottom line is <laughs> he, he has the final say in everything, even though he might not do the, the groundwork for it. But I don't, I don't personally think Mark Cuban has had a real say in Mavs draft stuff since, uh, since he screwed up the, the Giannis draft so much. It, that's just my opinion. I think after that, he was like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, let go, let Donnie do this. And then, you mean let Bob do it? Exactly. That's what the recent issues was. It was Donnie Nelson and uh, Bob Volgaris, you know, going against each other, and that's that's what caused the recent uh, rift there. So I don't, I don't. That's why I say I, I don't have a feel for Nico. I don't know how much he he values the draft stuff because if there's one area where I believe he's going to have, you know, basically full reign without Cuban getting involved with it, I do think the draft is one of those areas. So I'm interested to see, interested in seeing how much he values it and how reluctant he is to attach first round picks for, for guys that, that aren't star players, you know, Buddy Heald, he's, he's a good player. Uh, he doesn't play a lick of defense, but you know, he's a very good uh, elite three point shooter that would be very much welcomed in this Mavs offense that has struggled a lot this year, but it's looked a lot better here lately. And, you know, yeah. we've seen, we've seen, and again, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's a good player. 
we've seen that for the last two years. He's he's very streaky, but you know he is a good basketball player. He just he just hasn't fit very well into this uh, Jason Kidd offense. And you know I don't think it's a coincidence that when Hardaway Jr. went down, uh, Reggie Bullock all of a sudden took off. <laughs> I, I do not. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. It's just a matter of you know fit and getting more minutes and. Uh, Grant, do you have the stat there? Uh, there was a stat uh, on the Mavs record when uh, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith are on the floor together or start together or something like that. <laughs> there, there is some stat showing it. It was very, very good. It was like when, when both of those guys play or when they both score in double digits, the Mavs have a very, very elite record this year. So I don't know if you have that stat handy, but am I just – yeah, it was uh the net rating and like, you know, the advanced stats when they share the floor together. Um, you know, after the last night's uh game, they're they're above uh ten net rating still, uh which is, you know, very strong for sure. So uh, you know, having both of those guys on the floor at the same time uh definitely adds some uh intriguing uh compliments for Luca. Now Grant, I'll ask you that and then I'll get your thoughts on it too, Matt, but uh Going back to other trade options, you know, Jeremy Grant with the Pistons. We just saw him last night. Mavs completely obliterated the Pistons uh, by 30 points. They took care of business. They said they learned their lesson from that Orlando and OKC game uh, uh, before these last three wins, you know, when they, they coughed them up. So they learned their lesson. They played very well versus the Pistons. And Jeremy Grant, uh, he's been tied to the Mavs in trade rumors over the last – handful of weeks and he didn't play a good game last night like if, if, if that was a if that was a pre-trade deadline showcase it wasn't a very good one like if the Pistons were asking you know uh, for a whole lot from the Mavs or whoever they're in talks with for Grant you know scoring 15 points on I believe it was five of 14 from the field and he only grabbed three rebounds in 27 minutes that's that's really not that's really not something you would want to trade, like say Jalen Brunson <laughs> or, or multiple first round picks for, you know, something like that. So I guess my question for you, Grant, is what is the, what is a fair market value for Jeremy Grant right now? Because teams around the league, they know that he's not the Pistons main focal point anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's around Cade Cunningham and, you know, rebuilding around him and Grant's 27 going on 28 years old. Uh, he's not going to be the guy there anymore, uh, even though he wants to be yeah, – I don't know if he necessarily wants to be the top option, but he wants to be a top option wherever he goes. So, And he's also – I think he's due for uh, for an extension here pretty soon. So what is a fair market value for Jeremy Grant right now? And, I mean, do the Mavs – is there any chance that they could even get in on I think it's uh it's challenging to necessarily uh like like scope out what his exact value would be because you know like as you said the the contract extension uh that he's seeking is uh you know pretty substantial and then um on top of that um some teams uh who may be capable of pulling off a trade may not necessarily want to uh considering like uh, his desire for his offensive role and things of that nature. Like if you're a team that already has a variety of, you know, like one, two, three uh, scoring options, uh, you're probably not going to push for that uh, as hard as you would if, 
you know, that wasn't a factor. Um, but I do think it's kind of challenging uh, for a team that's looking to rebuild and add draft assets in the short term for Detroit to take on a trade package from a team that's kind of like uh, log or kind of restricted through 2025 um, for first round, sending out first round picks um, and doesn't really have like uh, intriguing uh, young player necessarily uh, that other teams may be able to offer in, in a trade. How much, and I'll swing this back over to you after this one, Matt, but Grant, how much value do pick swaps have in your opinion? Because, you know, even if it's not just a straight up draft pick, you know, you, you have the opportunity to swap a first round pick and there's no, uh, there's no rule in the NBA preventing teams from trading, you know, multiple pick swaps, I believe. So, I mean, is that something that could come in into play in some of these trade scenarios? I think um, it depends on the, the team that you'd be uh, like kind of participating in a trade with. Uh, if you're Detroit, you probably are assuming that your record's not going to be necessarily all that fantastic over the next like two years as you uh, have Kay Cunningham develop and, uh, you know, add pieces to the draft. Uh, so you probably wouldn't necessarily want to take on a swap from a team that uh, has been in the playoffs for the last couple of years. And then you probably don't want a draft asset uh, that's in the distant future since you're wanting to get as many liquid assets for the draft as you can now uh, to kind of like accelerate and add uh, young players uh, to build a core is kind of the, the thought that I have. And when it comes to Grant, you know, I, I've i said in the past, you know, he'd be a perfect fit with this Mavs team. And I kind of I, I made the comparison a few weeks back when I wrote a piece for DallasBasketball.com. He'd kind of be – he would kind of be like the modern-day uh, Josh Howard type for this team, uh, which may be, you know, that might be a little insulting <laughs> to Josh Howard. But, you know, same type of player, uh, same physique. You know, he, he does some of the same things that Josh Howard did, uh, shoots similar percentages and everything. So for that reason, I, I would be willing to – I wouldn't just want to steal him. I mean, I would want to steal him from the Pistons, but I would be willing to give the Pistons, you know, a little something to get him because I wouldn't trade Jalen Brunson for him, obviously, but, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, who is a similar player, and he's about to get paid uh, probably somewhere, you know, if the projections are right. What is Grant making now, like $20 million a year? And the projections for Finney-Smith are around, like, close to $15 million a year? <laughs> It's like, who would you rather have, Dorian Finney-Smith at fifteen million a year, or uh, Jeremy Grant at twenty million a year? You want to have Grant, right? Okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't really like what I'm seeing down in the chat very much right now about about keeping Dorian and and JB around and like keeping the like. I I think that I, I like both players. Don't get me wrong. I, like I, I, I especially have loved what JB has done over the last, you know, few months. But at a certain point, you have to make a change. And whether that's Buddy Heald or Jeremy Grant or trading, you know, Dorian or trading JB for something. I mean, you don't want to just trade them for anybody. I've never advocated just trading for anybody. But you have to make some substantial change 
at some point because the roster that they've had for the last three or four years has not worked past the first round. And they're doing very well this season, and they've made some changes to what they're doing and here's, in terms of like defensively and, and, and all that stuff, and that, that, and that helps. But you can't keep trotting the same roster out year after year and expecting a different result. I don't care who the coach is. And so, yeah, do what, do what you can to get Grant involved, I think. Here's the thing with Grant, too. Yes, he's gonna he's gonna want more money probably on his next extension. But you know, I'm not necessarily worried about that. You know, again, would you rather pay Grant, Jeremy Grant, and what he provides, or especially when you consider he might be taking a step back in his role, you know, more similar to what he had in Denver than than what he has with the Pistons right now? Because obviously, even though he was getting numbers <laughs> these last couple of years. The Pistons have been terrible. So, I mean, he's obviously not – I mean, he, he's capable of getting the numbers, but he's not a guy who can get the numbers as the number one guy and then your team also wins. So, uh, even if he does require, you know, a pay raise on his next contract, again, I raise the question, would you rather pay Dorian Finney-Smith long-term around $15 million a year or would you rather pay Jeremy Grant, you know, around 20 or over 20 on this next – uh, contract extension uh, for a guy like him. I mean, I, I say Jeremy Grant. and I don't think it's even close. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't think it's close either. And then you also take into consideration, and this is also me thinking about the KP situation going forward too. De- depending on how he plays in the postseason this year, he might not be on the roster before we get to, you know, like free agency next year <laughs> or before uh, before the start of next season. I mean – I really don't know. I really think the Mavs have to do something with KP at some point because even though he's had a good year individually, you know, his stats have been good and everything this year, he's still a questionable fit with Luka. It's not a seamless fit there. His health status is always in question. He's been out for a handful of games with a knee bone bruise now, which, you know, we hope it's not anything more serious than that. He put something on Instagram the other day saying he'll be back soon, but soon could mean – late March. <laughs> I don't think he'll be back in Dallas soon. <laughs> Maybe so, but you know, I'm not, I'm I'm not spreading rumors. I'm just making a joke guys. Relax. Yeah, for sure. But I, I mean, I, I really do think they're going to have to do something with him uh, at some point because they've shown, and I've said this on previous pods and I, I don't want to keep just like running it in the ground, but KP, whether KP plays or not, it doesn't really affect the Mavs winning or losing. Like they, they, they can be perfectly fine if Luca is completely healthy, and you add guys like Marquise Chris and you know Maxi Kleba when he's shooting well, and even you know we see what Dwight Powell does. Dwight Powell's chemistry with Luca is far and away better than what you know Luca and KP's chemistry is. So even though KP is the more talented player, obviously, but. I just I think they I think they need to look at ways to to trade his contract. And even if they don't get something back that they think is uh you know worth what they think uh KP is as a player, I do think that's something they got to look at and open up their options going forward, especially if you swing a trade for for Jeremy Grant and you plan on extending him going forward because I don't think they would want to lock into a a three player, you know, a, a big three of Luca, Jeremy Grant, and Kristaps Porzingis. You know, it, it, that's just my opinion on it. But 
Grant, uh, I mean, I know we've talked in, you know, back channels about this KP stuff, but am I far off there? Don't you kind of think the Mavs need to do something with his contract going into the summer? Yeah, I think if you have um, something favorable, um, I definitely think it's worth uh, strong consideration because I think um, the formula of a, like, rim-running big that can catch lobs and then having shooters – um, around uh, Brunson and Doncic, I feel like that's really um, like a successful uh, sort of template. And I don't like with KP wanting post ups and things of that nature. Um, you know, I think I think it kind of messes a little bit with the flow. Like I don't think it's really worth giving post ups to a big. That's not like a Joel Embiid or Jokic type um, to disrupt that. Um, so I I kind of think though the problem that you may run into is that you. Um, you know, when you have too many, like, 3 and D guys, um, you know, if you're moving the ball around when, like, Doncic is getting blitzed on ball screens or things of that nature, then you have to have someone that can um, uh, put the ball on the floor and attack. And I think, uh, you know, Brunson does a good job of it, but I think having a big wing um, that can also do that uh, would be important um, whenever you're trying to, like, succeed in the playoffs because you can't rely on just one player um, handling those those sort of situations. And that's why I really like the idea of Grant because, I mean, everybody in the uh, – a lot of people in the chat saying he's overrated. I mean, to us, if, if you base it off of his his overall stats these last two years in Detroit, yes, he is overrated because, you know, those stats are kind of inflated because he's been the number one guy and everything. But from an intangible, intangible uh, standpoint, I mean, I don't think he's overrated. I think he's very, very good. Uh, he's got great defensive instincts. Like, you know, he can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. Uh, he can shoot threes, even though I think he's having a down year shooting threes this year. Uh, I think he's around 31% or so. But I, I would just love to have him on the team. And I think, I mean, one one situation I'm looking at as a potential KP trade situation is the Washington Wizards because I think they're a really desperate team, you know, as far as trying to trying to make a, a splashy move to potentially persuade Bradley Beal to stay past his current contract. Uh, I, I think they're kind of desperate, and there's been rumbles in the past that they're keeping tabs on KP's situation. So, And they have some big contracts, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Davis Bertans, uh, you know, they've, they've got pieces on that roster that would fit and it would be pieces where it's like, you know, it's not the greatest return. It's probably not what the Mavs would want to get back from for KP, but it's not terrible either. So uh, I, I think I think that's something to look look at uh, going forward. Maybe the Mavs making a deal with the Wizards in the offseason for KP, but Y'all, it's uh, it's coming up quick. Uh, I'm probably gonna come back on here and do another one. I don't know if you guys will be able to join me or not, but we're we're probably gonna do a post deadline thing too, depending on what the Mavs do and kind of recap everything that happened. But uh, it it's been a, a a whirlwind so far. I mean, the Mavs haven't done jack <laughs> done jack shit, but you know, maybe uh, maybe that'll change here in the next. 24 hours or so. So, Matt, I appreciate it. Grant, also appreciate you coming on here. Anything else you want to add before we take off here? Yeah, I'm good as well. I can definitely hop on later uh, on the other uh, green rooms if you uh, if you want. 
Well, I appreciate it. Y'all be y'all be sure to go follow them. You can find me at Dalton underscore Trig on Twitter. Matt is at Matt underscore Galatson. And you can find Grant at Grant Afseth. You can find all of our work over at DallasBasketball.com. And uh, like I said, appreciate y'all joining us. And we will see you sometime after the trade deadline. Y'all have a good one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.